We are back. Another week, another podcast. I'm here with Tony Starr, business owner, slash personal trainer, slash what else? What do you do, Tony? Uh, I bodybuild, I cook, and create. And oh, I, I, uh, I'm a big dog person. Dog person? Yeah, so we have a dog sitting uh, business we run out of the house, and then we also spend a lot of time saving dogs, my fiance and I. That sounds cool. You've you've had like a large like variety of dogs come through here. Which which types have you worked with? Uh, lots of shepherds. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a shepherd at home. We yeah, just lots of different kinds. It seems like more and more dogs these days are mixed. Mm-hmm. It seems like a very specific thing to end up doing. Like, how did you guys come to the um, you know joint decision of opening up a dog sitting? Well, sitting environment. Uh, it wasn't a joint decision. It was her decision, but I was all about it. Uh, we both just really love dogs. Yeah. So when she said, hey, we should foster this dog, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, let's do it. And then we felt really uh, gratified and we felt really fulfilled with being able to take a dog out of a really nasty situation, get them rehabilitated and then into a home. Mm-hmm. It was a very gratifying feeling. And... So we've done it five times now. Wow. Where we've taken dogs that were in dog meat farms from Korea, dogs that were in hoarding situations with 80 shepherds on a property. Mm-hmm. With, you know, they're basically feral. Um, and then we just run the dog sitting. Uh, we actually get paid for the dog sitting, but all the saving we do not. And then uh, between me and my fiance, we're getting ready for competitions all the time. And I'm training a full book of clients and thinking of new ways to help them with their diets. That's mm-hmm. most of our time. What was the most interesting dog that came through here? Like, you, do you train all of them, too? Uh, sometimes. Uh, one we had for a couple months, and mm-hmm. he was a shepherd that came out of a hoarding situation in L.A. And when we got him, he was completely feral. He had never had a name. He had no veterinary care. He was just disease. He had three different diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was terrified of us. We couldn't get him out mm-hmm. of the kennel. <clears throat> and over the course of a month... He started to learn his name that we gave him. It was Toby. Mm-hmm. Um, he started to um, really adapt to, you know, he was already around dogs, so he was okay with my dog. He's just getting used to being with people. Mm-hmm. Then over the course of six weeks, he was just a good old family dog, you know. At first, the leash was terrifying him, and then, you know, now he's, you know, hanging out with people all the time. He's going on hikes. We still keep up the owner. So Seems like you guys are getting, like, prime to take on another permanent dog here or are you guys thinking about it at all well of course we want to but if we have another dog it'll be more difficult to save dogs so we're kind of sticking to our purpose for a while sure sure um we don't own the house we live in so we're probably waiting until we buy a home to get a second dog okay but yeah um so you recently prepped for um you did two shows within the span of a week correct um how many weeks out did you start dieting at well, that's kind of interesting because I learned so much about my body in this prep. And so <clears throat> in, I started dieting 15 weeks out. Mm-hmm. But I was using a coach who really was adamant about using a high-carb approach. But he used that with everyone. Sure. Did not work for me. My body is very sensitive to insulin. And I wasn't losing weight, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I switched my approach at about 10 weeks out to a low-carb approach with... Uh, increases in cardio. It was very, very hard, but it was very effective. 
Sure. And it was minimal carbs, primarily just like a bodybuilder style keto, keeping mm-hmm. an intro workout in all the time, and periodic clean carb refeeds using rice only, because I felt like I needed them. Mm-hmm. And I got the best results I've ever had. Had I wish I wish I had known that from the beginning, and I probably would have been even better. But it was still my best showing so far. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you think that kind of realization is going to carry over in your next uh, contest prep? Totally. I know exactly how I want to start my prep. And I know exactly how to diet my body now. My body is very water retentive, very sensitive to carbs. Sometimes I can diet for weeks at a time and not see a pound drop. And it's as far as like being robotic with my sleep and my meals and everything. And then also what kind of foods I tend to agree with and what I don't. What kind of, um, so how many times have you prepped for show? Not like um, total shows, but like years. Like how many? Uh, let's see here. 2013, 14, 15, Five. So um, what I've noticed, having done several shows myself, that every time I prep, it's kind of different. Like my body kind of changes, adapts to the certain approach that I might have done last time. Um, are you ready to deal with? the fact that possibly that approach might not work next time or do you think like without a doubt Mm. like how is your I feel like even the prep before this last one Mm -hmm. I was starting to kind of figure that out yeah because I feel like I needed a refeed it four weeks out and I just didn't do it Mm. I feel like regardless of what it is a low carb approach will be good and starting cardio from day one yeah and I waited way too long to implement cardio into my diet um, so starting cardio from day one, starting with what I know from day one and getting ahead of the curve early. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then as far as doing a carb up the night before the contest, I will not do carbs the day before the contest anymore because I feel like the sugars wash my body out and make me smooth. So how did, when you first started the show, you start off with high carbs. Did mm. you make any progress off of that at all, or was it... Yeah, I tightened up, but it wasn't like I was dropping a lot of body fat. Sure. Okay, so you lost a lot of water, but you yeah, didn't I, really lose fat. Just because just probably the meals were clean and they were really regular, but I was still eating a ton. So and I, so it was probably because in doing that and being so robotic about the times and stuff that I was able to train a little better. That's my guess. So you were able to train more because you were giving yourself more carbs throughout the, the day. Yeah, well, it was just everything was so perfect. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. I wasn't messing around as far as eating out or not being timed on my meals correctly. I sure. was just still eating too much. What was the transition like going from uh, that high carb diet to the low carb, high fat, high protein approach? It was very awesome because I got shredded like within like three weeks the results Did were. you do it instantly or did you like taper off the carbs? I went and... to a uh, basically two days a week, three days a week carbs. Mm-hmm. Four days a week, no carbs at all mm-hmm. except for the intro workout. Okay. And then having that three days a week where I had carbs. Like a refeed almost? Yeah, but even the three days it was like 120 grams of carbs. It wasn't nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I was just seeing really, really good progress. And then we would take another carb day out and then another carb day out till it was just seven days a week, zero carbs. And then as I felt like I was like, oh, man, I can't. You're dying. I'm yeah. dying. Yeah. yeah. I got my cardio from, you know, 40 minutes to 50 minutes to 90 mm-hmm. minutes for a little while. And then I actually pulled that back down and continued to see progress. 
Do you think um, more people would benefit off of a higher deficit or just tacking on uh, cardio, more cardio days onto their routine well, all, to prep? All the tacking on more cardio does is increase your deficit anyway. Right. So, I mean, it's all one and the same. Um, I do feel like some cardio increases insulin sensitivity and mm-hmm. increases metabolism, but only to a point. I feel like the difference in metabolism boost from... 45 to 90 minutes is not much different. It's just calories. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's like a psychological factor in it too. Cause like if you're doing cardio to increase the deficit, you're also increasing overall fatigue from your, for your body. Cause you're putting it through more of a um, strenuous process. Or if you eat less, you know, you're like, Oh, I'm starving all the time. Cause you feel like you're not eating as much. So you ultimately result in um, being fatigued because you're not getting the food that you want. So Correct. I feel like it might be like a different, different for person to person. Mm-hmm. So. And you know, I've um, I've dieted guys that could do really well, and they almost do better with less and less and less cardio. Mm-hmm. Some people just have these metabolisms that when you overdo their deficits, they just end up looking stringy and yeah. they just look not as good. Um, certain people who are a little bit more husky naturally mm-hmm. put on body fat very quick. Um, you kind of got to go hard on them. Yeah. And then they don't get away with things like sugar-free this and sugar-free that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, they just got to be more basic with their approach. Even the refeeds have to be more basic. Do you think people should be concerned if they're starting to look flat or stringy? Should they change something about their diet or like reevaluate what they're doing? Or do you think that's just part of prep? Depends on the person. Like if, like if it's a, if it's a naturally gifted metabolic person, um, and they're already pretty lean, then yeah, maybe. Because mm-hmm. then we have the concern that they might lose muscle. Sure. But for the most part, most of the time they're gonna look flat mm-hmm. towards the end anyway. Like there's no way you can get really shredded without um, sure some depletion. Yeah. You know. And uh, that, that's what happened to me in this last show is I, uh, I ended up going into the first contest a little bit flat. I had some cheat food right after the show, mm-hmm. dieted for the next week into the next show, and I came in way harder and fuller. I think one of like my, like, I don't know, my strategies as far as going into a show that's helped me out the most, like in looking full and shredded, is just not significantly reducing my calories the week of contest day but just maintaining everything so i'm it's just another like week you know it's just another week in the diet you know nothing too crazy so my body's just you know able to um replete the day before the show and i can just feed myself a little more carbs and come in full yeah that's the approach i'll be using going forward is to do actually a fairly large cheat mm-hmm. um a week out and what happens is when I have a large amount of food I do wash out a little bit but then mm-hmm. a couple of days later when that water retention comes back off I'm hard and I'm full because um, I can usually stay full for a few days after you know a good cheat meal or two so probably we'll do like a carb pretty far out mm-hmm. and then come in and it's unlikely I'll flatten out by then because peak week I don't tend to work out very hard sure so I don't either yeah. yeah. If I do, then I do. You know, maybe maybe I'll have carbs Tuesday, Wednesday, and the show is on Saturday. But I'm no longer going to be 
implementing large amounts of carbs Friday before a contest? I think it's all about learning your body, you know, because, like, there's no, like, one time where, you know, sometimes your body's super fatigued and it's taking a huge toll and maybe you need to take a step back and, you know, bring training down a notch. Or maybe, you know, you feel fresh the peak week. You should go ham and you're going to look freaking amazing on stage because mm-hmm. you had the energy to fuck your workups up. So... Um, is there like a particular scheme that you had, uh, training wise, like high reps, high sets, lots of volume, or was it uh, low volume, um, lots of reps, you know, what, what was the approach? Yeah. Uh, I had a training partner this whole time and my training partner's a veteran bodybuilder. He's massive. You can and shout him out if you want. <laughs> Kyle. Uh, what's up Kyle? Yeah. What's up Kyle? So we did, um, let's see here. We lifted pretty fucking heavy, like, as long as we could. And then probably three weeks out, I started doing supersets of the same muscle group. Mm -hmm. So it would be um, chest superset with a chest exercise. Yeah. So maybe an incline and a decline or something like that. But the intensity and the speed of the movements were going up. Reps were still relatively low, Mm -hmm. but the volume was increasing shortly. And then we kept increasing the volume and then towards the last two weeks it was pretty much all giant sets so five exercises one round of 15 on each exercise all the way through until you do one of each and then take a break and then restart that process and cardio after every training but yeah i did i did get pretty high in the reps and then towards the last few weeks i wasn't doing any heavy heavy loads um and then the week after the show i started finally lifting heavy again and I was sore. It was like I'd never lifted before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you do a lot of heavy work when you're really far out, and then you start bringing in, doing more like pump. You know, you just try to get a good yes. pump, do a lot of reps, mm-hmm. a lot of sets, kill yourself. And and I'm just, I'm, yeah, it's about the blood flow, because I'm not going to build any muscle on that kind of deficit. And it's about the blood flow, the calorie burning, and um, not getting injured. Is there like one exercise that like, really carried you through you know maybe it was like a bicep exercise or like a chest exercise that really you thought brought up a certain weakness that you might have had oh rack pulls yeah yeah i got really big into rack pulls this year um my mid to low back has gotten so thick Mm -hmm. so do you uh, do deadlifts normally yeah I, i always always do deadlifts but not just doing deadlifts, but doing more variations of deadlifts, doing mm-hmm. stiff legs, uh, doing my deads, but then just lots and lots of rack pulls, mm-hmm. like six, seven sets, um, and just burning out that low back. And also doing um, like a back extension where you round your back out mm-hmm. and then curl it back to really flex your spinal actor because I think that a Christmas tree is the coolest thing on a body. <laughs> and I just wanted one so bad. And so I was like researching a lot of Charles Glass stuff. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of great moves for that. So I really focused on that Christmas tree this year. And it was starting to come in, but maybe a few more pounds of fat would have made it really crispy. But it was there. But I find it really hard for me to do rack pulls because like, when you're halfway through the deadlift, you're a lot more vulnerable. You know, mm-hmm. you don't get that starting position. You don't get to get real tight. You know, so that's, that's why I've kind of just stayed away from it. I should probably mm-hmm. implement them because they look well, like yeah. they Come with me kill. sometime and I'll show you why how they work you almost like have to improperly lift it mm-hmm. and like purposely not like when you're doing deads 
you're trying to lift through your legs and your hips mm-hmm. um, because typically people are, are moving the weight. Mm-hmm. But with rack pulls, you're actually trying to target a muscle with a compound lift. Sure. So <clears throat> you have to almost improperly lift it right. around your back and then extend extend your back but pull your chest up towards the end. Mm-hmm. And it's a particular way that I do it to really just target my mid-back. Yeah. Um, so... So you started a business, um, Tony Star. Is it Tony Star Fitness, right? Mm-hmm. Some odd years back. Uh, what what got you started into that? Was that like your dream to ultimately own your own uh, personal training slash coaching business? Or? Uh, let's see here. I mean, yeah, any trainer who works at a gym for years has the idea that it would be cool. I didn't realize how much more money I was going to make, so I never really went for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working at Gold's at the time, and a buddy of mine, Alan, was training independently out of a studio in downtown Bellevue and he wasn't his own business but it was kind of like a contractor deal it was kind of a weird setup anyway I went over there and I failed miserably I depleted all my savings I wasn't getting any business and you know it wasn't my business so I couldn't get on the internet aggressively Mm -hmm. Uh, I went over to Ironworks talked to the owner he said you cut me a check I'll let you bring your business here Really? So, yeah. That's dope. Mm-hmm. I got an LLC. I got a bank account for my business mm-hmm. and got some t-shirts made. And then I created a website, which was a bitch. I uh, got some <laughs> business cards, and I went ham on the internet. I got on Yelp. I got on Google. I got on, you know, some SEO mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that I was pulling up. And then I went to network meetings like you would not believe. I go to, you know, three network meetings a week, regularly, every single week. Um, I signed up for certain ones called uh, Business Network International, where basically you got a group of entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. construction managers, you got um, interior design, chiropractors, uh, naturopaths, real estate agents, and they all are there to learn about your business and you them so that you can help best refer each other. And then you keep track of the referrals. The referrals. Um, the income that is generated from the referrals is then reported to the group so we know how much we're referring to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's the success behind it. I got that going. And then I really figured out my Instagram and YouTube. And uh, when I got that going, I didn't have to network anymore. So I dropped my networking. And now I just pretty much coach and train. And people come and find me because I have such a big internet following now. Oh, yeah. You're so you're so famous. Well, I mean, kidding. like, through through Google and SEO, like... I'm the first trainer in Bellevue. I'm, I'm, I'm messing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I have several questions. Um, the first one is, um, so the networking uh, situation, what was that called again? BNI. BNI. Business Network International. Business Networking International. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a way people can find that if, they, if they're if they interested in Look up BNI on Google. There's probably BNI. one in your area. I mean, they're all over the world. How, mu- how much did it cost to be in that sort it's of... It's like 1200 uh, a year. 1200 a year. Okay, so... Um, as a trainer, you have mm-hmm. so many certs, right? You have to get like your personal training cert. I have USAW. I'm about to get a CSCS, mm-hmm. and overall, and you have your LLC mm-hmm. and all, and your website. You know, mm-hmm. all the certs and stuff add up in money, um, like money wise. Which which uh, which few were the ones that like carried your business forward the most, like investment wise? What was um, the best investment for your business? Jeez, none of them really. Uh, the best investments were hiring coaches that were really, really well experienced mm-hmm. that I could suck knowledge from. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. I have six or seven. Seven coaches? Six or seven. No, certifications. Oh, certifications. Um, all in different fields that I hardly ever use any of that technical knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's asinine how little I use my school. <laughs> right. Um, I also have an EMT certification, firefighter one, because the fire department paid for that. I volunteered for them for a couple years. Sure. Uh, some of the gyms paid, helped pay and sponsor my certifications. I got loans, paid them off. Mm-hmm. Um, none of them really carried my business. It's, I've hired different reputable coaches to help me with bodybuilding shows. Mm-hmm. And I just suck the knowledge, every little bit of knowledge I can. Mm-hmm. And then all the anecdote. So, you know, I see something on the internet. I try it. I like it. I don't like it. It goes into my library. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I research something, I research it five times and try to find the average of sure. which I then agree with. Mm-hmm. And then that's my fact based on the experience that I have with it. So this BNI um, situation seems extremely interesting to me did you mm-hmm. benefit a lot out of that yeah first year 55 percent of my business came through that wow mm-hmm. that's substantial and starting from zero i made ninety thousand my first year mm-hmm. and now my business is <laughs> multiplied since then so i'm doing pretty good cool is there like a mistake you made when you first started your business that oh. you know made you learn the most fuck man lots of mistakes <laughs> but w- which one was um, the mistake <laughs> jeez man um I don't know. I want to say, like, you can't always just believe what people tell you or hype you up for, but those mistakes were the best mistakes because they all brought me where I am, where I'm at. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to say. Jeez, a mistake. Um, I, feel like I, miss, I feel like I make them all the time. I just can't think of any in particular. The biggest, the best mistake is okay. just to make a lot of them. Yeah, make mistakes. Oh, you know what? I I guess I would say don't be afraid to fuck up. Excuse my language, but just don't be afraid to fuck up. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid to act like you you don't know it all because you don't. Mm -hmm. Um, It's okay to tell a client, I don't know, but you know what? I can find out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I really appreciate, because I've had many coaches, I appreciate when they're honest. I appreciate when they are not full of it and think that they know everything. Because if you think you know everything, you're lying. And so if somebody can troubleshoot for me and find out, mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And <clears throat> somebody who like works with me on things. Um, but as far as mistakes, I feel like the biggest mistake I made was uh, putting off a lot of my friends and family to grow my business. Because I worked like seven days a week. I went hard. I made sure that mm-hmm. I was successful. And... Um, I feel like I probably could have done it without being so extreme. But sometimes you kind of need to put yourself in that sort of situation because that motivates you the most. Because if you put one foot in and like you know try to balance everything, that's when you almost start to spread yourself too thin, you know, and you're not able to give what you know is important to you as much attention as it needs. Mm-hmm. So maybe you know, in hindsight, yeah. it would have been cool, but maybe you kind of needed to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do the same thing with bodybuilding. I deal with everything, man. Every time I get sunken into something, I just go all in. But how else are you going to succeed, right? I don't know. I, I mean, guess you're right. Balance yeah. is hard. Like, I think balance is almost like a unicorn. Like, you're not always going to be able to do it if you want to, like, win at something, right? Yeah. 
I feel like any any great athlete or any great champion or any great business owner obsessed really really uh, struggles with balance and really struggles with yeah balance yeah I find myself like I have to go to the gym every day like I have to and sometimes I go twice a day and I like push myself when sometimes when I shouldn't you know Mm -hmm. when I need to take a step back and you know reevaluate everything so you know it's just part of being passionate about something mm-hmm. um, so you have a um, pretty big um, vault of knowledge um, and you've done a lot of research you go online all the time um, how what is the most efficient way you think for people to um, do their own research cross-reference things and um, really utilize their time efficiently with the internet uh i mean it it can be pretty bland you can research things that might not have any concrete evidence but you base that on your experience with it Mm -hmm. so if you find out that you know rice digests better with everybody then you go out and you try to eat some rice and it digests well well now you know rice rice does digest well or Mm -hmm. or you have a couple clients you have them try it you know, I, I have clients who do guinea pig stuff with me all the time. You know, let's sure. try this keto diet and see how it goes. And, oh, well, it worked. It worked for you. Mm-hmm. So I always tell my clients when they um, when they start with me, everything is just a template. I'm mm-hmm. going to put this together as we go because that's what the value is. Otherwise, this would all be a cookie cutter approach. Sure. So <clears throat> I do a lot of YouTube because I drive a ton. Mm-hmm. So I'll plug in the YouTube, YouTube in the car. Uh, I don't have YouTube Red, man. I just haven't I haven't made that cross yet. But anyway, like I have a I have a good like six people that I feel are legit on their information, mm-hmm. and they're putting out stuff constantly. And then I will listen to it on my drive, or maybe if I'm you know soaking in the tub or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm doing cardio. Want to name drop and, those six people? Uh, so. Like uh, Thomas Delauer. Thomas Delauer. Jeff Nippard. Uh, John Meadows. David Palumbo, uh, those are four I can think of off the top of my head. And okay. they have hundreds of videos. Mm-hmm. And I will maybe listen to them on the way home and then take some of the information that I'm interested in sure. and apply it mm-hmm. to either me or my clients and see what happens. And then based on the results is how I determine what I do or do not know. Mm-hmm. And you, Tony Starr, have videos as well? Oh yeah, I and got people videos. can find you on YouTube if they yeah. want to uh, do their own research. A little yeah, bit. I keep my information that I put out there very, very basic. And I try not to get too scientific because I'm not a genius. I'm not. I'm not a PhD. I'm not any of that. I'm just somebody who tried it, liked it, does it, knows that it works, or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And then I have a ton of recipes because I like to think I'm a genius with putting together meals. Little uh, IFYM wizard. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, you should change your YouTube handle to that. Yeah, <laughs> you blow up fast. Um, you're welcome, by the way. Um, so, you recently started YouTube. <laughs> I had some questions about that. Um, not too many people go on that sort of endeavor because it almost seems like it might not amount to anything, or you know, it, it's 
it, uh, it probably won't. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I probably you know won't. YouTube's a void, right? Yeah. There's just so much bullshit on there. Like, mm. what um how what is the workload like? Just making videos for that and editing and hours hours a week. Hours and, a and week. it's pointless. You get like 50 views, and you see somebody who has hundreds of thousands of hours who put barely any. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some of the some <laughs> of the stuff that blows up, it's just so stupid how it blows up. But I try not to get too caught up on that. What I like to have is like. Somebody texted me yesterday and was like, "Hey man, you got you got some like healthy snacks you can recommend me?" Well, here's a link to a video that I made at Fred Meyer, showing you healthy snacks high in protein. Mm-hmm. But you know, I made that a year ago, and I'm still using, using it. Using it, I'm yeah. still linking it to people constantly, like right because that's a common question I get. So I take common questions. It's almost like then, an archive uh, of your knowledge, like yeah, basically yeah. yeah. And so yeah. instead of like trying to explain it for the hundredth time, I just send them a link with a really good uh, explanation mm-hmm. so i try to keep my videos if it's if it's a if it's a knowledge video where like let's say i'm talking about bloating i try to th- keep things like that under five minutes sure. you know i did one on acid reflux i did one on working out and being sick i did one on bloating mm-hmm. um i try to keep those relatively short just for an audience but sometimes my cooking videos can get a little long all right um thank you for we're, we're coming up on our uh, 30 minute mark here um is there is there any place that they can uh, find you at um social media tony training, star tony coaching. star fitness remember the star has two r's in it okay um what kind of training packages do you offer to people i do coaching? everything on a monthly basis okay so i build people each month i do private training and semi-private training so mm-hmm. semi-private training um, means that if you want to come in at 4 o'clock and you're the only person there, then we'll train it as a private. You're still only being billed for a semi-private. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, if I got another girl or a guy that meets the kind of goal that you're trying to achieve, mm-hmm. I'll partner you guys up. Okay. And then I kept it at three people. Um, I give them a $30 discount on those. And okay. then uh, I bill it on a monthly basis. Meal plans are included in private or semi-private. Mm-hmm. I update meal plans once a week based on progress. Okay. Uh, they're, they're macro meal plans. So I'll, I'll write the meal plan and then I'll write the macros on the side of the meal plan um, saying that if you want to sub, you know, let's say you got chicken, rice, and broccoli. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you'd rather do fish, potato, and asparagus, mm-hmm. you can do that so long as you make those match. Okay. And then I update those on once a week. I update workout programs every six weeks and measurements every five weeks. All right, so if you guys want coaching, Tony Starr really gets his hands hands into his clients' uh, work and yeah, gets real personal with them. Um, so your IG handle is TJ Superstar, and your YouTube is Tony Star Fitness, and your website is Tony Star Fitness. All right, man, this is great. <laughs> if you just look up Tony Star Fitness, you'll find me anywhere. So just look that up. Yeah, he's on Google. blowing up on uh, Google Google searches. Um, all right, guys. Uh, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening in on this week's Zercast. It was a pleasure having you, Tony. Thanks, um, catch us next week. I'm going to have Swole Sarah on, and we're going to talk about feminism in the powerlifting community. Dang. How interesting does that sound? I'm pretty very, excited for that. Very sexy. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> Later.